0: Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Good morning, my name is Paul, if I haven't met you, and today we're introducing a new series called I Can Relate, and hopefully you can relate to what I talk about today. But basically, every one of us can relate. We're made to relate right from a young, very, very young age. Our little littlest grandson, right from that tiny, tiny age, is searching for eyes. And then he locks on and a big smile because we're born to relate. We're made for relationship. It's not good for us to be alone. Have a look at this verse here in Matthew 5, verse 9. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. My question for you today is, are you a peacemaker? Because if you are a peacemaker, you're going to be blessed. And there's a special blessing for peacemakers. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I was a young child and staying with grandma, and she brought out grandma's specialty which is some weird thing that mum has never made but it's grandma's specialty like broccoli pie or you know steak and kidney pudding or some weird thing that you even the sound of it you automatically think this is going to be really bad and you and you taste it and sh- she says to you after the first bite do you like it and as a child, you don't notice that what she's really asking is, do you like me? And so you just say, no, it's disgusting. <laughs> and I remember going to a relative's place who invited the family over. Uh, he was, wasn't married at the time and he was new in Canberra. He was really excited to be in the same city as some relatives and invited us over and he gave us dinner. It was quite a nice dinner and then we had dessert. And he'd been promising we got ice cream for dessert. This is awesome, ice cream. And then he brought out the ice cream and it was cassata ice cream, which I'd never had before, which has nuts in it and bits of lemon peel and cherry and what the heck is this? No, I don't like it. And there was a decided coldness about the rest of the night. Just a, a mood of why did you have to bring those kids with you kind of mood. And uh, so from a very young age, we can learn that if you want to keep the peace, sometimes you just don't say what you're thinking or you lie. And it can get into you, your mind that that's what you need to do to keep the peace. But you know what? Jesus never asked us to keep the peace and be peacekeepers. He wants us to be peacemakers. And it's a very different thing to being a, being, between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. And some of us just live our lives being peacekeepers. You know, the UN peacekeeping force doesn't actually solve any problems. It just keeps people apart. It just tries to stop them from hitting each other. But the underlying issues are all still there. That's not peacemaking, it's peacekeeping. And some of us do that in our families. We're just, oh, well, you know, just let's all be happy. Let's keep happy, keep happy. Everyone be nice. But the issues are not being addressed. It's not peacemaking. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. It means you've got to actually make something. And I know that there are families in this church and you're just trying to keep the peace, trying not to stir up the trouble, but you're not making peace. So, issues don't go away. They tend to smolder and gather ammunition, ready for the explosion to happen at some point. You know it's like if a guy gets married and uh, he decides right from first morning of the honeymoon that he's going to follow his usual routine as a single guy which is to jump out of bed in the morning and on his way to the the bathroom give a really loud burp and then laugh at himself (laughs) because that's so funny and his wife is disgusted, but kind of gives a bit of a laugh, (laughs) and then doesn't want to say anything because we're just married, don't want to stir the pot, don't want to be the first person in this marriage to criticize the other person, and then the next day it happens again, and then the next day it again, and then a year later, it's still happening, and two years later, and now the wife is, I've got to put up with this burping every morning, and then by seven years later, she's just ready to crack. If that guy burps this morning, and and then going to bed at night, if I hear that, burp. She starts thinking about bringing in a chainsaw to leave under the bed. It's probably a bit extreme, a little bit. She's keeping the peace, but she's not making any peace. So many of us think that we only have two options when we have a disagreement or an issue with somebody. We think, okay, well, if I tell the truth, I might destroy this relationship. So that's one choice and the other choice is that I I don't say anything, I, I keep the relationship but I just suffer and I'm, I'm frustrated and I have this growing resentment and this happens in lots of different contexts like in marriage, like in a parent-child situation where your 16-year-old son is starting to just not listen to you and he's getting some friends that you're not happy with, but what do you do? Or in the workplace where you have a boss who explodes with anger at the drop of a hat and then in a major decision says, this is the way we're going to do it, doesn't ask for any consultation and nobody wants to be the one to put up their hand and disagree and and destroy their career or destroy their relationship and, and become an enemy of this guy. because they think that they've either got to make an enemy or become frustrated and resentful. This company called Vital, Vital Smarts in America surveyed thousands of people all over the world, asking them, if you knew there would be absolutely no consequences and you could say whatever you wanted to say and nothing, would cha- nothing there'd be no negative effect, is there anybody in your life that you would say something to? And if so, what would you say to them? Have a look at these responses. To my boss, you have single-handedly driven away every good employee we've ever had. I can no longer tolerate your condescending tone, your micromanaging, or your hypocritical words and actions related to work. What's it say? We are supposed to. It's got the, the Ps haven't come out on that line Or this one, to my wife, we've been together a long time, but now it's time to consider us going our separate ways. You know, how many relationships are not destroyed by violence, but by silence? These people have not talked about the issues. They've just kept the peace. They haven't made any peace. Think about the consequences of not saying something. Look at this one. To my supervisor, you're an idiot. Can you imagine that working relationship? This guy's got to do what this guy says, and there's just this brooding, seething mass of disrespect coming through. To my friend, I betrayed your confidence by sharing with someone else something you told me in private. I'm so sorry, and I I wish I could change it if I could. How does guilt show up? when it's not talked about in a relationship. And this one, to the woman at the desk next to me, do you have a cat or something that marks your bag or shoes or clothes? There's a really bad odour around you and it offends me. Imagine working with those two having to work on a project together and nothing being said about the elephant in the room or the elephant-like smell in the room. It's interesting, the lesson from all of these is this. If you don't talk it out, you're going to act it out. It'll come out. But is that a really good response? Is that what you want? Because that's going to be very difficult to control. And it's going to have unpredictable consequences. Look what Jesus said here in Luke 17.1. This is a great promise from God. You can hold on to this one. It is impossible that no offences will come. But woe to him through they do come. There will be offences. Jesus is saying you're going to be offended. I can promise you you're going to be offended. I might say something today It's going to offend you. Your best friend is going to say something that offends you. Your neighbor is going to say something that offends you. Your mother, your child is going to say something that offends you. Jesus says, you're going to be offended. It's impossible that there's no offences. No Human relationships involve conflict. As soon as you get two humans together talking about something, there's going to be disagreement. How do you respond to that disagreement? Do you just keep the peace? You have to learn to have good conflict. That's the secret. There's a difference between good conflict and bad conflict. And I'm suggesting to you that in between not saying anything and saying something that destroys a relationship is a third option. <clears throat> it's not being silent. It's not just putting up with it. You know, a pastor talks to a husband and wife, and he says, talks to them about how they cope with conflict. And the wife says, we haven't had a conflict or an argument for seven years have we? And the husband says, mm. See, there's one way that you can avoid conflict all your life. And that is have a meaningless life. Just have a meaningless life and you will have no conflict. Do what that guy did and just never disagree with anybody. Just, just be walked over by everybody and you'll have a totally conflict-free life. But as soon as you get something meaningful happening in your life, something that means something to you, I can guarantee there's going to be conflict involved. As soon as you, you go into this dream marriage that you've been waiting for and believing for, this is it, this is the one, this is the guy of my dreams, this is the girl of my life. And now we're going to have a happy ever-after relationship. But then you find out that what's meaningful to you is different to what's meaningful to her and how it actually works out. This expectation is a kind of different thing. And I thought we were going to do things this way. Yeah, well, I thought we were going to do things this way. We had a young guy in our church who visited years ago, and his marriage was over in six months. And I spoke to him afterwards. What was the problem? Oh, well, she just didn't want to do things the way I wanted to do them. Oh, duh. That's part of the trick in marriage. And Rob Bruce said, Amen. And Ty said, Amen. All the, all the married people said, Amen. You've got to learn how to deal with the disagreements. And you can be silent if you want. You can be violent if you want. But there's consequences involved. There's a way to avoid conflict and confrontation, just to have a meaningless life. By the way, if you want to discover more about your life... Next Sunday at 9 o'clock is the uh, next step about Discover You. And it's all about your gifts and what God has called you to do. So if you'd like to do that next step, you haven't done it before, during this service upstairs, we're doing a thing on Discover You. You can jump in on that one. <clears throat> okay. You know, the the quality of your relationships, how do you measure that? I can tell you one very, very powerful measurement of the quality of your relationship and it's this. How long between the issue coming up and when you start talking calmly about it? Not when you start shrieking about it and throwing things, but how long between when the issue arises and when you start talking about it in a calm, generous way? And the idea in marriage and in any other relationship is trying to get that into a really small distance so it doesn't take long. You know, Jesus says, uh, don't let the sun go down on your anger. He, he wants us to keep a, a clean s- slate. Keep the memory bank clear. Keep the in-tray empty. In-tray of issues, just keep clearing it out. Don't just let it keep building up. Okay, I've now got 846 bad issues with this person. Haven't talked about them yet, but it's coming. <laughs> That's a measurement. How healthy is your relationship? Does it take a long time? You know, we all know that God brings challenges into our world. It's part of him growing our faith. So he brought a lion to David. He brought a bear to David. He brought Goliath to David. He brought all his armies to David. They were challenges that he brought into his life. But God also brought conflict into David's life. And he brings conflict and challenges into our life because challenges build our faith and conflict builds our love. It builds our capacity as a human being. David was pretty good at challenges and he was pretty hopeless at conflicts. You know, his first wife that he married uh, because he chopped off Goliath's head and he got this woman as a prize. Congratulations. But when uh, she criticized him and showed disrespect, he couldn't cope with that and he said, you know, he basically dissed her, and it says in the Bible that she never had any more children. We never hear anything more about her. Obviously, he never spent any intimate time with her after that moment. Is that a great way to deal with conflict? No. What about this in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 6? And I haven't got it on my notes. Now, his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking, what are you, why are you doing that? Adonijah had been born next after Absalom. He's very handsome. So David probably did not discipline his own children. He certainly didn't discipline this one. So when the conflict arose, there was no, the, the sons didn't have any clue what to do. They'd never, seen, never been disciplined. They'd never ha- had their father say to them, What are you doing that for? Don't do that. What sort of father is like that? Not a very good one. He didn't handle conflict very well. And we need to be parents who say to our children, hey, what are you doing? And have that confrontation. A lot of mums in particular, I know that Melanie was more the the, uh, the love side of the equation. I was more the truth side of the equation. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes mums in particular don't want to rock the boat. Oh, it's okay, it's okay. Just, just. David was like that. Okay, how do you do it? How do you make peace, not just keep peace? How can you make a conflict positive? Okay, well, it's not like this guy. He says to his wife, you're amazing. Whenever I get angry at you, you don't say anything or even get upset. What do you do to, to, to deal with your anger? And his wife says, well, I, to be honest, I, I just go to the bathroom and clean it. And he says, well, how does that help you deal with with being angry with me. She says, well, I use your toothbrush. (laughs) That's possibly not a powerful way to build the relationship and make peace. Ephesians 4 verse 15. Here it is. This is the clue. Instead, Paul says, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's head of the body of the church. Christ, it says, was filled with grace and truth. And uh, truth and love, a similar deal. This is the message from God. If you want to build peace, you need to speak the truth in love. And the choice is not, do I speak the truth and lose the relationship, or do I just keep loving the person but I lose the sense of what's right and wrong? And God says you've got to do both. That's the, that's the secret. That's the biggest secret for any relationship you have is you must be able to speak the truth in love. You must be able to do both. It's a powerful, powerful secret. Love, God is love. He's love himself. He demonstrated his love by sacrificing his love for his enemies. He has never-ending compassion. He wants us to do everything out of love. The greatest of all is love. But we know parents who, like King David, Believed that they, what they were doing was loving for their kids, and they just never addressed certain issues because they didn't. They were afraid that the child would run away from home, or they'd lose that friendship, or they wouldn't, you know. And that child just went more and more off the rails, just like David's son Adonijah. They went more and more off the rails, and the sad thing is, as as they walked away from God, they also walked away from their parents. Love is vital. We're told to speak the truth in love. But if that's all we offer, it's not enough. It's only one side of the equation. And it also builds up resentment in the parents that can explode in an out-of-control way. Truth. God loves truth. He speaks the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. He commands us to not lie. He tells us to speak the truth. But we know people, and as I said, this is my weakness Uh, that I've had to temper with love. And I know guys, there's a a guy who I lived with in America as an exchange student, and he was just so big on speaking the truth, speaking the truth. He's very black and white. That's right. That's wrong. You are wrong. And he's just speaking the truth all the time and did not care about that person, did not care about that relationship And so he's ended up now in his late 60s. He has three um, broken marriages behind him. Christian guy, hello. Very concerned about the truth. The Bible is the truth. Three broken marriages. His kids don't want to talk to him. Very few friends. Spends the whole time on the internet writing emails about complaining about something because he's so big on the truth. Truth alone will not do it. The answer is to do both. We make peace with both. We take both, one in each hand. We've got a hand for love, a hand for truth. Use both of them. What does it mean to speak in love? Well, love is all about the environment that we create before we speak the truth. Because it's very important that people know how much we care, otherwise they don't care how much we know. And so we create this safe space that through this person knows that I care about them. And we create that we make sure they know we respect them. We have a, we're, we're here and we, we make sure they know we're not out to get them. We're not out to harm them or their reputation. We remind each other of what we share in common, what goals we have. And we're working together. Okay, what does it mean to speak the truth? Well, to make the peace, we have to take the risk and actually go there. If you're a peacekeeper today, your children know you love them, but you have to go there. In that context, in the love that you've created, you speak the truth. And you can do it in a loving way. And the best, most powerful way to do it is just state the facts, not the story. Because facts and story are not always the same. Sometimes we can just go in with a story and misinterpret all the facts. So if it's a person in the office, a fact is... Saying to them, I've noticed last week you've been late to work three times. That's a fact. A story would be to go to the person and say, hey, you're, you're a lazy freeloader, you know that? Okay, that's an interpretation of the facts. If you've got a difficult conversation that you need to have with somebody, just talk about the facts. This is what I'm noticing. Am I right? Am I right with this? Am I right that your friends are, uh, are using drugs? Because that's what it seems like to me. Is that, are they the sort of people you want to hang around <clears throat> and have that conversation? Speaking the truth. A number of times as a principal when I was trying to sort out uh, young teenage girl issues, which was a really scary thing to do, and in the end I just handed it over to a female staff member uh, who got the whole thing. But the number of times when I'd say, uh, okay, so why did you go and rip her hair out? Well, because she was, she was dissing me, she was being, doing that. Well, what, what do you mean she was res- disrespecting you and she didn't like you? Well, she was over there talking to so-and-so and I saw them they looked at me and then they smiled and I knew right then she was talking about me. And I went over and I just started pulling her hair. So she, the facts were that two people were talking and they seemed to look at her. The story was, it's all about me and they're, they're destroying me. Never act on a story. Only act on the fact. Never even worry, don't even mention the story. Talk about the fact. What does this mean when I see that? When, when, you, when I've asked you so many times to do this and you, and you just don't do it, it feels like you're not really interested. Is that true? And that's the sticking to the fact. It's the difficult truth. But it's saying it in love. Speaking the truth means focusing on the facts, agreeing again on what we're about and uh, remembering that what we're about is I want this relationship to work. And we go in I say, I really want this to work. I don't want to attack you. I don't don't have anything but respect for you. I love you and I, I really want this relationship to keep going. And so I just want to ask a question and see what you have to say about it. Jesus was quite happy to go in and confront even his closest friends. Peter, what you're saying right now is exactly what I'm hearing from the devil when he's talking to me. So is there a reason for that? You know. He's quite happy to go in with the truth, but Peter knew that he loved him and, uh, and copped it. Can you, make, can you become a peacemaker? Yes, you can. You just need to hold on to both the love and the truth, speaking the truth in love. And you know why? Because it's exactly what God's done. He created the whole context by demonstrating his love for us. Look at this, 1 John 4 verses 9 and 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. He says, this is the context, guys. I totally love you. I totally love you and I'm, I'm prepared to give everything I have for you. And here's the truth. If you don't turn to me, you're in big trouble. And uh, you need to, t- t- to repent. You need to admit that you're in trouble. Turn to me and you're going to have life. He gave us the in love, and he spoke the truth, and he continues to do that today. This is the age of grace. This is the age when love is shown and truth is spoken. And as we go into our workplaces, we can do the same thing. We can show people the love and just occasionally drop in a little bit of salt, drop in a little bit of truth. And because those people in your workplace know that you love them, because your family members know that you love them, They'll listen to you when you tell them the truth. And because you're praying, God's working on it with you as well. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c 3 churchwatsoncomau We hope to see you in church again this weekend.